As we continue our journey through the Psalms, the one that we are landing on today is Psalm 62. And again, it is a Psalm of David because we know that there were so many times that his life was challenging and that he was in danger and that he was faced by enemies from both without and within. And so this Psalm is one of those in which he speaks to the Lord, which um, is just beautiful and shows us those times that we can cry out to God in the same way. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down? this leaning wall, this tottering fence. Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the low-born are but a breath. The high-born are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have learned. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's be in prayer. Lord, I thank you for these words that calm our spirits, that remind us of your powerful love and grace, and the fact that you are our shelter and our refuge in all the things in life. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you also for the message that you've given to Pastor Keith to share with us today. And we pray that our hearts will be open to receive it and that uh, we will come to love you more and to know you more deeply uh, from his words. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here with you today. God is good. and We are ready to work. You can say that. God is good. All the time. Amen. Awesome. Wow, it's great to see all you guys here, sitting up here today. Thank you for your service to our country. I know we're going to do all that stuff later, but I can still say thank you right now and, and uh, I'll tell you how good it is to see you guys. And everyone, of course, here today gathered, we're, we're excited to, to be here to worship the Lord. And, and I want to uh, just uh, take a moment and uh, direct your attention to something in the bulletin. If you could look in the bulletin, you see a list of names there. Um, that's our Haiti 7 Team. It says H7. That means our seventh trip to Haiti. This is the team. Now, this team has gotten a little bit bigger in the last couple weeks. Um, and it's kind of a long story. I won't go into it terribly with you. But 
uh, basically, um, we are preparing, getting ready to go to Haiti, and we need your support. Uh, we, we have, as a strategy here at our, at our church, and as part of our mission, what we do to, to help raise funds for the trip is, oftentimes people send out uh, like fundraising letters where they're inviting people to be part of their team and help, help them gather support for their, for their trip. Well, a couple of years ago, we were, we were running into a, a bit of an issue here at the church when, when some of the folks gathered in the church were saying, hey, you know, we're getting five and six of these letters from different people. Who do we support? How do we do that? And so in order to, to alleviate that kind of weird moment when you get several different letters from people in the church and you want to help, but what we decided to do was we tell our teams this. We say, don't send a letter to anybody in the church unless they're related to you. So you can send it to your grandma if she goes to church, but don't send it to his grandma, you know. And because of that, what we've done now is we publish this list and we ask that each of you would, would prayerfully just pick a name. Maybe it's a person that you know well. Maybe it's someone that you don't know at all. Pick a name on that, on that list and commit to pray for that person personally, individually, uh, leading up their trip. And also, if, if you could, uh, support that person. Everybody's doing a lot to raise their funds, but, but we still have a long way to go. And you'll be hearing more about that as we come up. The trip's going to be amazing. We've got uh, a great team gathered together. But there's been some anxious moments, of course, and, and it's, it's timely to talk about Psalm 62 and the Lord being our rest. This was a psalm that was written in a great time of trial for, for David. We don't know exactly what was going on, but we know this man lived a lot of his days in times of trial. Amen? He had people pursuing him. He had people that wanted to take his life. And as, a, as the king of Israel, he, he, he didn't make a lot of friends from other nations with that way. But before that time, he was pursued by, by King Saul and, and others. And he wrote this psalm during a time when he needed rest in the Lord. And, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. He says, my soul finds rest in God. And I want to ask you this morning, how do you find rest? What does rest look like in, in, in your life? What does that mean? Now, for some of you, rest might mean, you know, going and playing, you know, nine holes of golf on the golf course. That might be rest for some of you. But for the, but for the person who has to mow the grass, the golf course isn't the place of rest. You know, you might find your rest sitting on a, a beach resort somewhere, um, having, a, having a relaxing time. But for the person who prepared that for you, it, it might not be rest for you. Uh, so what I'm, what I'm learning is that rest isn't so much about where we are or what we're doing with ourselves. Rest is, is what's happening in our souls. Because some of you rest, you crazy people in here, by waking up early in the morning and running like five miles. You ever see people like that? They, they're, they're like, you're, you're, I mean, you're on your way to Dunkin' Donuts at 6 a.m. And, and they're like running like nine miles. And then they're so relaxed and they're, they're all rested. And I'm like, how is that rest? You know, rest is different for lots of different people, isn't it? So how do we define rest? Now, for some people, they have an easier time with rest than others. Some people are just good at rest. Other people are really, really bad at it. We don't know how to rest. You'll, you'll probably figure out which one I am uh, soon here in the course of this sermon, if you don't already know me. But it's important. Pastor Mike, why are you laughing? <laughs> anyway, you know, for some of us, rest is, is really hard. 
But for some of us, rest is really easy, isn't it? For some people, rest is too easy. You ever meet somebody like that? Who all they want to do is rest. You know? You, you see them driving down Collins Road at 5 o'clock on a, on a weeknight. You know? And you're just, why are they resting so much? Let's go! You, you see that when you're in the grocery store and, and it's taken them, you know, nine years to pull their checkbook out and write a check. And you're sitting there and you're like, I've got places to go. This is not your rest time. But you know people like that in your life. They, they just live to just take a break. Right? It's live to take a break. Is that you? Do you live to take a break? Or, or are you the person that no matter what happens, even on your, your, your vacation or your day off, you cram your schedule with so much activity and so much frantic stuff that when your vacation is over, you have to go back to work so you can take a break. Right? I don't know how you define it, but it's, it's, there's a tension, I think, sometimes, even in our faith, with what it means to truly find rest and what it means to work. Because we, we know from the scriptures that God has work for us to do, right? We know from the scriptures that God is a God of, of action and a God of activity. And, and that God hasn't called us to just sit back and do nothing with ourselves. He's given us great gifts. He's given us great responsibility. He's put us on a great mission. And if all we do is sit back and just take a break, how's anything going to get done, right? I'm talking some people's native language here this morning. You know, there's the tension that exists because sometimes we can put too much emphasis on ourselves and on what we do and live unhealthily, you know, in an unhealthy way versus being, you know, an unfaithful steward of what we have been given. So how are we to faithfully grow our talents and our, our resources that God has given us How are we to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, as Philippians 2 verse 12 says? How are we to carry each other's burdens, as Galatians 6 2 says, but yet at the same time still maintain a healthy life of rest as God commands? Because it's easy to slide one way or the other, isn't it? Some of us are are easily slidden to one extreme or the other. And how do we define this? How do we bring our lives into a healthy culture of rest so that we can not just find rest for our bodies, as we so often look for, but we need to find rest for our souls? You know, there's a difference, isn't there? You can, you can be a person who can find rest for your body, and that may or may not be a good thing for your soul. I know for me, if you, know, if you put me in a quiet place with nothing to do but think... That is not restful for me. Because as soon as I sit down, as soon as things are quiet, as soon as there's nothing happening right there, my brain starts going crazy. Anybody relate to that? And in my own mind, I can be strategizing or making plans or or thinking of things to do or thinking of better ways to do things or, or wondering about this or worrying about that. Sometimes I just need a break from sitting there. For others of us, that's the only time we can we can like truly stop us because our bodies are so full of activity. How do you define rest? You can slide one way or the other. You see, some things that you do for work are rest for others and vice versa. So I think it's very important to to know who you are and to know yourself and not to say to somebody else, well, hey, you know, here's what rest looks like for all people in all places and all times. You know, it's the same because we're all different. So I've been thinking about it and I come up with, with four concepts that I think go hand in hand with rest. Okay, and here's what they are. These are four things I think are consistent with what you need to experience rest for your soul. The first one is security. 
You have to be able to have a sense of security in your life to feel rest. You can't feel rest if you feel insecure. You could be sitting in a hammock, but in, in this, you know, a bad part of town with people all around you ready to hurt you, and you would not feel rest because you wouldn't feel a sense of security. Security is a big part of what it means to have rest. You also need to have peace, right? You need to have peace. You can't have tension and conflict and fighting to experience rest. Thirdly, you need to have calm. To have rest, you have to be able to just be calm. And then lastly, of course, you've got to have freedom. You've got to have freedom in order to find rest. You know, I heard it said once that vacation is defined by when you can just take your watch off and never have to look and wonder what time it is. Right? You wake up when you want to wake up. You eat when you want to eat. You go for a walk when you go for a walk. You, you, you go to bed when you want to go to bed. You, you, whatever you want to do is not defined by what time it is. Then you're, then you're experiencing rest. Because we're so chained to our schedule so much of the time. And what time it is is so important. But when you have freedom, because there are no stipulations around you as far as your time, then you can experience rest. So this is important to God, obviously. Because God created both time and work, and He created rest. In Genesis chapter uh, 2, of, of verse 2 of chapter 2, in the Old Testament, it says that God took a rest from all the work that He had done. In six days, He created the earth, and on the seventh day, He rested. He called it good, and He rested. Now, why does God need to do that? The Bible also tells us that God never gets tired, and He never sleeps. So why does God need to take a break on the seventh day? Well, the answer isn't because he's tired. The answer is because he wants to take time to celebrate the work of his hands, to celebrate that which he has done. And he's given that as an example and a command to the rest of us. We're to take time to rest from our work so we can celebrate what God has called us to do. But, you know, human beings... Human beings have such a tendency to even take God's gifts and turn them into more work. You know, the, the, Jesus and his disciples were, were out walking one day through a field. And they were hungry, so they picked some kernels of grain and they were eating them. So they're just walking through a field, picking some grain off, of, off, of, off of a plant and eating it. And the, the Jewish religious leaders, who knew all about the rules of God came to them and criticized them and said, Hey, why do you and your disciples break the commandments of God to rest on the Sabbath day? So what are you talking about? We're just walking through a field, just munching on some wheat. They said, Well, according to our rules, you're not allowed to harvest grain on the Sabbath. And that's what you guys were doing. Harvesting grain. I don't know if you've ever met an Iowa farmer who would call that harvesting grain. But the fact is this. The... the, the Religious leaders were so uh, in love with their rules that they created rules about the rules in order that, that they might not break the rules. So they took even this gift of rest that God had given them and made it into a, 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 a taskmaster. And Jesus' response to them was great. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's a gift to you. It's a gift to help us Keep our minds right and keep our souls right. Why does God want us to rest? He wants that for us. The first reason why he wants that for us, according to Psalm 62, is this. So we can put our trust in him. 
You see, when you don't rest, you're, you're typically not resting because you're convinced that the world's going to fall apart without you doing stuff. And when you take a rest, you're inherently saying to God, I want to celebrate who you are and what you're doing, and I put my trust in you. Psalm 62 says that I put my trust in the Lord, not in the things I gain through extortion or through gaining more riches, but my trust is found in God. And God wants us to be reminded of that. That's why he gives us a day. See, he said to the, to the, to the people, he said, do no work, remember the Sabbath, and keep it holy. To keep it holy means that you're remembering what God's all about. Otherwise, if you just take a break, you may or may not be keeping it holy. The keeping it holy part is when you reflect on the goodness of God and what God has allowed you to do. So, number one is to stop putting our to allow ourselves to put our trust in Him. Number two is so we can stop putting our trust in our own work. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I think that if I don't do something, it's not going to get done. Anybody like that in here? Well, I just better get that done. If I don't do it, it'll never happen. And the truth is, it'll happen, just maybe tomorrow. You know? Sometimes I'll look at something that needs to be done, and I'll just stop, even though I should take a break, or, or, or a day away, or this or that, and sometimes I'll just say, well, I just have to do that, because if I don't do it, nobody else will. You know what? That's kind of a prideful thing, isn't it? When we look at our own lives, and we think, well, I am so important... That if I don't do this thing, then the whole world's going to come crashing down. So we use that as a reason not to rest. And, and God doesn't want that for us. He wants us to stop putting our trust in ourselves and to put our trust in Him. The one who owns everything in this world. The one who, who, who clothes the, the lilies of the valley in, in glory and splendor. The one who feeds the sparrows and, and tells us not to put our anxieties on, in this world, but cast them on Him. And number three, why does God want us to rest? Simply because we need it. We do. What, what happens to you when you don't get enough rest? What does your life look like? How does that come out in your life? Ask the person sitting next to you if they live with you or if they work with you. What does it look like in your life when you don't get enough rest? Right? I tell you what, I'll be a little real with you this morning. My wife's not at this service. Okay. Um, last, last Sunday... It was, it was, a, was a day where, where I didn't take enough rest. And, you know, lots of stuff's been going on in my life. And, and Sunday after church, Stella and I were at our house getting ready for our, our, our meeting with our Haiti team that was coming over that, that evening. And so, of course, you know, you got to have the house looking perfect. The yards has to be mowed, right? Because we can't go to Haiti if my yard's not mowed when they come over for a meeting. Okay? So i got to have that done. We've got to have the right food set out, so somebody's got to go buy that. We've got to do this. We've got to prepare our materials. We've got to have everything ready to go. We've got to have it all set because we have to be organized. We've got to have all this stuff. And so I don't know what time it was, probably about 2 o'clock, we're having this conversation. And Stella finally says to me, she's like, all right, I have an idea. And I'm like, well, what's that? She says, I'll take care of everything here, and you go and ride your motorcycle for a little while. And I was like, no, 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 no. It'll be fine. I'll, whatever. We got to get this done. We got to figure this out. Grass has to get cut, you know. She says, no, no, no. How about this? I'll take care of everything here, and you go ride your motorcycle for a while. Because that's what Pastor Keith does to rest. And I said, yes, dear. 
Not because I was like, you know, oh, you know, I'm what I'm not tough enough to handle this, but because I could tell that, you know, I hadn't I hadn't done a very good job of resting. And when I don't get enough rest, you know, I can get a little irritable. I can get a little ang- anxious. Like, you know, a lot of the things that you can experience. Don't laugh at me. All right. No, it's okay. You can laugh. He's, he's laughing. He knows. They, they know. They know. So I, so I decided to go do that, right? So I get, I get out of the room, and I'm just like, okay, God, just deal with me right now. I know I need to have a heart change here. So, like, literally, one minute out of town, I'm on the highway getting ready to relax. My air cleaner falls off the side of my motorcycle, which is kind of an important piece of equipment. So I have to stop and go back on the road and find that thing and drive to a part store and fix that. It wasn't very restful, but nobody felt sorry for me. Um, that's what happens to me. What happens to you when you don't rest? You know? Maybe you fall asleep in places you shouldn't, like church during the sermon. Maybe, um, that just came to me. Maybe, maybe you get grouchy with people. Maybe you forget things. I don't know what it is, but here's the thing. Each of us is going to have some negative response when we don't get the rest that we need. Both physically, check this out though, and spiritually. If you don't get the spiritual rest that you need for your soul, it doesn't matter how many vacations you take, it doesn't matter how many rounds of golf you play, or how many days off you have, or or whatever. If you don't have rest for your soul, it doesn't matter what your body's doing, your spirit will never be at ease. You see, rest isn't just about a physical thing. It's about your heart. It's about your soul. It's about this relationship with God. And you need that. And some of you spend way too much time and money trying to find that rest in things of this world. And it never works. So we convince ourselves that we just need more or better. And yet we wind up in the same place. Our answer for rest is not found in the best vacation you could ever take. Or the most exciting leisure activity that you can be a part of. Or whatever. True rest for... And those, those things are great. I'm not knocking any of those things. I'm just saying that true rest for your soul comes from God. Jeremiah 31.25 says this, For I, the Lord, satisfy the weary ones and refresh everyone who languishes. You see, that's powerful. God is the one that satisfies the weary ones. Not those over us who we seek their approval for doing a good job. It's only the Lord. And this rest is especially important in times of trial, isn't it? Like the one that King David was going through. It's important because why? Human beings are wired to do one of two things when we encounter a time of trial. You learned this in elementary school probably. Either fight or flight. When we encounter a difficult situation in life, we're either going to rise up and come against it with force and, and, the, and the desire to fix it and, and, and take it head on or, and there's some of us in this room like that, or our natural tendency is going to be to oh, I got to find a way to avoid this I got to get away I got to run, I got to hide and, and that, that appears in our lives in a variety of ways doesn't it? You know, we might, there might be relationships where there's conflict and we might say alright let's get this out and figure it out or we might just completely withdraw from that person and, and back away We're we're wired to do that. But you know what? Here's the truth. You were never meant to fight forever. Or to run forever. There comes a time when you just got to rest. There comes a time when you just need to let God 
deal with you. See, we have to trust in God. This psalm says, at all times, not just when things are good, but even in the times of crisis. You know, this is tough for some of us. I'm a fixer. When I see an issue or a problem, I don't like to run away from it. I like to stand up to it and try to find a way to just punch it in the face and deal with it. You know, not a person. Don't say that. But an issue. I want to like get in there and fix it. And I don't have time to deal with other stuff sometimes. Some of you, maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you say, oh, when there's a problem, I just want to, to, to find a way around it. I got a message last week from, from Devin, who's in Haiti with Leah. And Devin is having an allergic reaction to her malaria medicine. So she takes this pill last Sunday... And she breaks into hives all over her body. And she starts getting really sick. Devin's my 18-year-old daughter, by the way, if you don't know. And she's, she's starting to have problems. And she's, she's achy. I mean, she's clearly in, in some trouble. And by Tuesday, it hadn't gotten any better. So I'm trying to help her figure out what to do. And, I, you know, we're doing some research. I called her doctor. And, 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 and I finally said to her, I'm like, okay, Devin, here's what's going on. Stop taking your malaria medicine. Take some Pepto-Bismol for your stomach and, and go lay down. You know, I mean, and I worked hard to find out this information to try to help her. You know what her response to me was? Thanks for the sympathy, Dad. <laughs> Thanks for the sympathy. Very sarcastic, right? To which the next thing I hear was my wife's phone going off. Ding. She says, Dad's not being very sympathetic. <laughs> so I responded to her. I said, Devin... My sympathy will do nothing to help you get better, but my advice will. I suggest you take it. (laughs) Yes, Father, right? (laughs) You know, sometimes you just want to get in there and fix stuff, but sometimes, you know, I I believe that what I told her to do, honestly, she probably already knew that, right? She knew to stop taking the meds. She knew to take Pepto-Bismol. She knew to lay down. She didn't need that. She needed rest for her little anxious soul. That's what she needed. She had a lot of anxiety over it. And I didn't do much to help her with that, did I? You know? I didn't do much to help her with the, with the anxiety, with the fear, with, the, with, with, with what's going to happen to me, with all of that. She just needed somebody to help calm her down, you know? That's what mom's for, right? But that's what God does for us. He, he, he doesn't always, and sometimes he doesn't often fix our problems that we're dealing with, right? But he still gives us rest. And I tell you what, if I had to pick... Between God solving all my problems and giving rest for my soul, I'm going to pick rest for my soul. Because here's what I know. Sometimes my problems really aren't problems at all. Sometimes the things that that, that are brought into my life that I get so worked up about are things that God is showing me grace in and helping me be molded more into his image and likeness in. They're for a purpose, you see. And if all I was able to do was fix everything just like that in my life that God had allowed into my life to to mold me into his own image, then I'd never get anywhere. If all we did was have a God who fixed our problems just like that, without any learning, any growing, then we'd never evolve into more the image of Christ. We'd never become stronger. We'd never experience what the Bible says is perseverance, which builds character. None of those things we'd have. Because all we would have would be a God who fixes everything for us. We don't need 
A God who fixes everything for us. We need a God who gives us rest for our souls, no matter what's going on around us. Because I don't know if you've you've experienced this lately, but the world is filled with problems, right? Have you seen the news? And those problems, I hate to say it, aren't going anywhere. They, they existed when Jesus was around, and they'll exist when, long after we're gone. This is a broken, fallen, sinful world that God has promised to redeem and restore one day, but we ain't there yet. So we live within this place where we trust in God to give us rest, even when people and situations around us are caving in, and we feel like we don't know what to do. Psalm 62 explains to us exactly what we're to do. Our souls will find rest in God. So how do you do that, right? You say, oh, that's great, Pastor Keith. I, I, I want that. I, I might be a person who's wound up. I might be a person who, who just runs away. But how do I find that rest that you're talking about? Well, the first thing I'm going to tell you with that is the most important. And it's this. Come to Jesus. Jesus, at the end of one of his messages, was speaking to the people, and he said to the people, he said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Actually, it says rest for your souls in one translation. Now, Jesus was talking to people who knew what it meant to work in their relationship with God. He was talking to people, the same people who who couldn't pick a grain of wheat on the Sabbath who were so afraid of doing the one wrong thing that God would be angry and against them. So they they had all of this ritualistic religious stuff in their lives to to make them try to uh, earn their salvation and earn God's love for them. And they just worked and worked and worked. Even their rest was work. And Jesus said to them, He said, look, if you're sick of all of that, all of that religious stuff, your soul is tired if you feel the, the, the weight of everything on you all the time and you want rest for that, come to me, Jesus said, and I'll give you rest. If you want that in your life, then you need to come to Jesus. You need to recognize who Jesus is and what Jesus has for you. And principle to that is, is rest for your soul. But too many of us don't experience that. So this is why number two is important. You want rest, you have to believe the right things about God. See, if you don't believe the right things about God, you will not find rest for your soul. Because you might believe that God is looking down on you saying, well, it's all up to you, figure it out. And then you feel like you can't be good enough for God. You might feel like God's looking down at you and that God is saying, you know what, I don't care about your life, I don't care about you, I'm not involved in what you're doing, and you're on your own. How can God be your fortress and your refuge if you feel like you're on your own? So you have to believe the right things about God. You have to believe that God is good. You have to believe that God is powerful and mighty and strong to save, as the Bible says. 1 John 1, 5 says, In Him there is no darkness at all. You can trust God. You've got to believe the right things about God. And then lastly, this is huge. Stop putting conditions On your obedience. The level of rest for your soul that you experience or don't experience is directly tied 
to your level of obedience in your life to Jesus. See, Jesus can lead you into to green pastures, but if you say, no, God, that's not the right way, I want to go this way, then you're not going to find those green pastures. God can say to you, put your faith and trust in me, cast all your anxieties on me, for I care for you. He can say that, you know, let me handle this. He can say, find rest, but if you refuse and say, no, God, I will not listen to you, I will not obey you, then you're not going to find that rest for your soul. He can say to you, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And if you say, oh, yeah, well, obviously, God, you haven't seen my calendar. You haven't seen my list of demands. My to-do list is pretty big, God. No Sabbath for me today. Then you're not going to experience it. Stop putting conditions on your obedience to God. And follow him where he wants to lead you. Verse 10 here says this. Verse 8. Trust in Him at all times. Pour out your hearts to Him, for He's your refuge. I pray today, more than anything, that that's exactly what you would do. And that you'd find that rest for your soul that God so desperately longs to give you. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for, Lord, the words of Psalm 62, for, God, the time that, that You've called us into this morning. And Lord, as we've come today to worship you, God, many of our hearts are, are overburdened with so much stuff and so much insecurity. But Lord, we pray today that through your sacrifice on the cross, God, that we would experience that rest. Forgive us, Lord, for believing the wrong things about you or believing that it all depends on us. And help our hearts to be brought into submission to your will. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.